And welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. We have a very big podcast today, uh, one that I'm holding very close to my heart because it has to do with Star Wars and new Star Wars content always brings a smile to my face. We're taking a break from The Last Dance. I'm not going to talk about The Last Dance new episodes. If you aren't caught up, get caught up. It's a great documentary, but I will discuss the season or series finale, I should say, the documentary parts 9 and 10 air this Sunday. I will discuss the finale next podcast, next Wednesday, but this one I wanted to dedicate to Star Wars and Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 7. So if you aren't caught up on The Clone Wars, uh, I'm sorry, but (laughs) it did wrap up very recently, so... Uh, They did the classic, you know, Disney Plus. They released one a week until the season's over, like they did with The Mandalorian uh, and other Disney Plus original shows. But season seven was scheduled to wrap up on May 8th. They pushed it up to May 4th. So The Clone Wars season seven officially wrapped up on Star Wars Day. Very, very cool for them to do. Um, And it is, by all accounts... The last four episodes of season seven are some of the greatest animated sections or episodes of TV I've ever watched. Um, And really just some of the best Star Wars content I ever watched. Now, of course, I have some complaints, not about the actual production of the show or anything that that happened really um, with the last four episodes. The last four episodes, in my opinion, are flawless. But behind them are little things that are kind of questionable, and I'll talk about that after I review kind of the entire season. And I'm not going to dwell on a lot of it. Most of this podcast is going to take up uh, talking about the last four episodes because the last four episodes are essentially just one long finale divided into four parts because they they start like that. So we'll get into it. Pretty much all good things, and then I'll I'll list my some of my uh, I guess if you want to call them complaints at the end. But the first arc of the Clone Wars season seven. Actually, before I get into season seven, let's talk about what happened with me in Clone Wars. So, Star Wars: The Clone Wars, of course, started in two thousand and eight. I think, and ran to 2000 and uh, whatever, 13, 2012. Um, it had six seasons under Lucasfilm and, and Star Wars in general before Disney bought them. And when Disney bought them, season seven was in the works for a while. It was never released until now with Disney+. And... I had watched Clone Wars as a kid, young teenager, and I watched a lot of it, and for whatever reason, I never watched it all the way through, so I never saw every episode of season 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, but I've seen a majority of them. I've seen a lot of the major episodes, like, we're getting into spoiler territory now, and if you haven't noticed that, then I don't know what to tell you, but spoiler alert. 
Um, so I knew, you know, Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order. I knew about that. I knew uh, other plot things. Like, I remember distinctly as a kid watching um, when the Anakin, Ahsoka, and Obi-Wan are on that Force planet with, uh, like, the, the deity and his two children, the dark side and the light side, and Anakin has to, like, tame them both. Uh, to prove he's the chosen one. For some reason, that episode really kind of stuck out in my mind. Uh, also, I remember the the finale to season six with Yoda having that vision and having to him and Anakin going to um, stop Dooku and Sidious. For some reason, that really stuck out in my mind as well. And I think it really confused me as a kid before I had a full grasp of Star Wars lore. I don't know why I remember it that way, but um, maybe I'm just kind of <laughs> getting my wires crossed here. But the ending of season six, of course, was made to be a series finale. So they kind of wrap up Yoda and uh, the Chosen One thing and all that. But of course, cl- fans were clamoring clamoring for a season seven once Disney Plus got released and, and everything. And, and Disney delivered. They did. Um, I took it upon myself to go and rewatch the entire show. Now, I was a little late to the party. Realistically, I, I should have um, rewatched the entire show and then watched season seven as it came out. But I didn't. And by the time I finished it, season seven was already concluded for a couple days. I finished it yesterday. And yesterday was May 12th. So concluded on the 4th. I finished it and I'm all caught up on May 12th. Not that bad, but whatever. And yeah, that, that was pretty much it. I, I wanted to rewatch the entire show. Um, see all the, the story arcs, all the minor characters that were taken interest in. Captain Rex is my guy. I love Captain Rex. Um... He is by far one of my favorite characters in the entire show. Ahsoka is great. They do a really good job of expanding on Anakin's character. Uh, there are some members of the Jedi Council that get uh, fleshed out a little bit. You see there's um, Kit Fisto is in a few things, so he's not just the guy that gets casually tossed aside by Sidious. But Kit Fisto is in a couple of them. Uh, Kiati Mundi is in uh, a few episodes. Plo Koon has uh, a few arcs where he assists Ahsoka in missions, various missions. So to see Plo Koon get some airtime, that's good. And out of all of this, Mace Windu was a little bit of a, a disappointment. They didn't really expand on Mace Windu at all. But I digress. I want to talk mainly about Season 7. I'm not going to go through the entirety of the show. Season 7. The first arc revolves around a group of clones called the Bad Batch. The Bad Batch is Clone Troop 99. And if you don't know who 99 is, he was a uh, defective droid, droid, uh, a defective clone in the Camino lab, and he was more or less the janitor or equipment. He was like the equipment manager of Camino. He would give all the other clones their guns, weapons, uh, armor, and stuff like that to just 
give it them and help them out and they clean the area, whatever. He was just, uh, he was an equipment manager slash janitor kind of guy. And some clones disrespected him because he was defective and all he wanted to be was a soldier and they would tease him about not being a soldier. But I think it was uh, Fives and Echo, Fives, Echo, and Heavy that their group together training um, were the ones that befriended him and they really helped him. And of course, he ends up dying in the series trying to be a good soldier and uh, get more ammo for the troops after Kamino is being invaded. And he ends up passing away. But Rex does... Um, I think it's Rex. He does acknowledge the fact that the Bad Batch, which is a bunch of clones that have mutations, so none of them really look like clones. Um, or if they do, they have... So one guy is a uh, Wrecker, and he is just enormous. He's like three times the size of an average clone. He's he's like a superhuman. Um, but he does lack a little bit of intelligence. So he's, he's just a, a big dude. Uh, and there's a bunch of them that they don't really look like clones, again, and that's because they're defective. And that's why they're called the Bad Batch, and that's why they're called Clone Troop 99. Very cool. All of them are very cool. They're very unique. Um, and it's a four-episode arc of them, the Bad Batch. Uh, Rex and Cody is in it for a little bit, but he ends up getting injured in, like, the first episode uh, when their ship crashes, so he's not in it anymore after the hat. So it's really just Rex, the Bad Batch, and Anakin going to stop a, uh, it's the Separatists have, um, they think it's a system of algorithms that allows them to predict what the Republic is going to do next, and it turns out after uncovering a bunch of stuff, it turns out that they captured Echo, and he's alive. And Echo died, I think, in the season five finale when uh, Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka, along with the 501st, are trying to escape the Citadel, which is a highly um, protected prison. And Echo kind of sacrificed, I I think he does sacrifice himself, uh, and he gets blown up. And they never show you his body. So I guess that's why they could kind of get away with this as a storyline in Season 7. They never show you Echo's body. They just show you his helmet on the floor after an, after he gets hit by an RPG. And they kind of, they just, uh, you just assume he's dead. Um, and it is a kid's show, so not showing the body isn't out of, you know, it's not out of left field. It's something that is... It's commonplace, okay? They're not going to show you the body that got exploded. Fine. They showed you his helmet. Kind of implies he's dead. They bring him back, and he has robotic legs. He has um, one of the droid hackers. So droids have those little hacker things that go into those ports, and they're able to open doors and and hallways and uh, open and close blast doors and elevators, lifts. R2-D2 does it all the time. He has that. Um, extension, that tool on his right arm. He's got like metal legs and he's got, uh, I don't even know what to describe them as, receptors 
or some type of electromagnetic things implanted all around his head. So uh, he really is more man than machine. And I thought that was really interesting when Anakin finds him. Uh, he's kind of shocked looking at him, but it's a little bit of foreshadowing because that is what Anakin becomes, mostly. Uh, he's more machine than man. And that's what Echo is. And it's a really cool arc. Not necessarily important, you know? It, it, it's, it's entertaining. They're classic... Clone Wars episodes by the book like here's Anakin with Rex and we introduce this new cool group of clones that all have like individual skills and it makes for a really cool action arc uh, and Echo's alive so it's like we yay good old Echo remember him yeah he's alive. Now, again, it wasn't necessary, but it was entertaining, and it was cool to see Anakin in action. Um, the animation is amazing, and I'll talk about this now after talking about the first arc. Um, every episode looks like a movie. Not only are the characters so... The animation is just, it's beautiful, and the surrounding areas are so detailed, and everything is just, oh, it's so, 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 so good. Every chase scene, action sequence looks like something out of a a multi-million dollar movie, and it's it's an incredible experience. It's amazing to watch. Like, they nailed it on the head. Absolutely no complaints with the animations, how every character looks, how they act, behave. Their uh, their facial expressions are incredible. Their pupils dilate. Um, they really pay attention to expressing emotion through these animated characters perfectly. It's unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. The fight sequences, oh my god. And we're going to get there when we get to the final arc of the the show with the fight sequences because the one with Ahsoka and Maul is just... It blows me away. Okay, very quickly, the second arc. The second arc... Oh, I'm actually... I'm getting way ahead of myself. You know, I have a bunch of notes and I kind of just breeze through a lot of it. Um, Episode 2. This is something I really want to talk about also because it was very... um, important. Episode 2, before they go out on this mission to go and find Echo with the Bad Batch, uh, Rex gives Anakin some time in his uh, his quarters to uh, Holovid, whatever it is, it's like FaceTiming, (laughs) Padme. Um, And she's like, you're late. He's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But it's a very cute moment. They're talking. Uh, she is wearing an outfit. If it's not the same exact outfit, it's very similar to the one she was wearing uh, on Mustafar when she goes to confront Anakin and uh, try and bring him back with her. It's very similar, if not the same exact outfit. So I guess a little bit of foreshadowing there. Uh, I'm not sure if everyone picked up on that, but it, it was 
definitely a uh it was definitely on purpose. You know, it wasn't just an accident that they they made her wearing the same exact thing like that. Um but they have a nice they have a nice chat, they have a nice talk. It's very cute. Um and when Anakin comes out while he's in there, Obi-Wan shows up and tries to, you know, get Rex to get Anakin and it's like, oh, what is he doing in there? Blah, blah, blah. And Anakin comes sprinting out, gives Rex his helmet. And he's like, don't break it next time. Oh, we're ready for the mission. Blah, blah, blah. Tries to just kind of play it off like he wasn't doing anything suspicious. And Obi-Wan turns around and says, did you at least tell Padme I said hello? And there's nothing really more that comes of it. They don't address it, but it is a line that is very significant in the story of Anakin, Obi Wan, there's a there, as the way I see it with this line from Obi Wan is that he there's a couple of options. Option one, Obi Wan is aware that Anakin and Padme have a relationship. He knows. That there, it, it's something going on, or he knows there's something going on, and he just doesn't care because he loves Anakin, and he knows what it's like to be in love. He was in love with Satine. Satine loved him. We know this, but Obi Wan chose duty over love. Regardless. Because that's, Jedi are, they're not allowed to have attachments like that. Physical attachments, emotional attachments. And he chose the Jedi Order over Satine. He knows what it's like to be in love. So, I guess, even if he knows this is going on, this affair is going on between Anakin and Padme, he lets it play out because... He either hopes Anakin will change his mind or he I, I, he just hopes that it's not as far along as it actually is because he could have he obviously knows that there's something going on right with that line. He knows that him Anakin and Padme talk frequently. He knows. The question is how much does he know? Does he know that they're married? Does he know that she's pregnant? Probably not. My best guess is that he thinks they're pretty much what him and Satine were. Flirting, borderline relationship, but not both not taking that next full step. Because Anakin's a Jedi and she's a, a senator. So they keep it at this middle ground of sorts. Um, of course, we know that it's not that, and it's way past that. So maybe that's why he doesn't act on it. And then, of course, option two is that Obi-Wan just thinks they're friends for some reason, and he has absolutely no idea what's going on. Of course, that's not really a, a feasible option, Option one is much more likely where he knows exactly what's going on, but not exactly what's going on, right? He kind of equates it to probably what he and Satine had. 
But in reality, it's much further along the line than that. And I just thought it was a really, really interesting line uh, that they included. Anakin's reaction is like he stops dead in his tracks and kind of looks at Obi-Wan like, oh, haha, very funny, but also like, what the fuck? Does, how much does he know about all of this? And, of course, it's a little... If you tie this into Revenge of the Sith, it's a little less... Or it's a little bit more obscure about how much Obi-Wan knew because... Uh, well, actually, it really... It supports what I just said about... He didn't know it was this... Their relationship, this romantic relationship that they had was this far along... When he confronts Padme and tells her Anakin turned to the dark side. Um, She says, no, can't be. And he says, Anakin is the father, isn't he? I'm so sorry. And he leaves. So that's when, if you want to put the Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith together, Obi-Wan most likely thought that they were, maybe they had relationship, they had Romantic feelings for each other, but not necessarily a full-fledged relationship, let alone married and pregnant expecting children or child at this point. Um, And he finds out, of course, in Revenge of the Sith that Anakin is the father of Padme's children, which, yeah, we we know how that story ends and all that. But So if you put those two together, that's the most likely scenario. And I really liked how they included it. Because it does give more um, depth to Obi-Wan's character. Because as smart as he is, it was kind of like a throw your hands up in the air moment. Like how does Obi-Wan not realize that Anakin and Padme are a thing? And of course there's another scene in Attack of the Clones where Padme falls from the ship. And Anakin says, I can't leave her. And Obi-Wan's telling him, put your feelings aside. You'll be expelled from the Jedi Order. You have to control your emotions. And Anakin says, I will not leave her. That, of course, is the beginning of... Well, maybe not the beginning, but definitely the... uh, The moment that Obi-Wan knows Anakin, for sure, (laughs) like unquestionably, has feelings... For Padme. Um, and I'm sure he's noticed it throughout the years of them being together um, and him seeing his reactions with Padme and what he does to get out, go out of his way to save Padme. It's, it's very obvious. It's very obvious. And like I said, Padme in the video, the holocron, whatever it is, um, visibly pregnant. So. Just uh, foreshadowing, but these events take place before Anakin kills Dooku, and then they come back to Coruscant, and Ad- and Padme tells Anakin they're pregnant. Uh, she is pregnant, and you could see that, but I don't know. Maybe Anakin just didn't notice. I, I have no idea. Another really awesome scene. was Anakin confronting Admiral Trench. This is the first time we see, like, big-time dark side Anakin, where he he's he is the Anakin in Revenge of the Sith, where he's, he's angry and he's upset. 
Um, he confronts Admiral Trench, said, you know, give me the last code to defuse the bomb. And Trench says, no, I won't. Anakin threatens him with his lightsaber and he says, you won't, you won't hurt me. You're a Jedi. You can't hurt me. And Anakin cuts off his metal arms. And if you remember Admiral Trench, Anakin uh, did a little maneuver on him and essentially made him blow himself up uh, with rockets. He survived, apparently. Again, this is another guy in this arc. Him and Echo both come back and they're like more robot than machine, uh, more robot than human, even though Trench is a spider. But you know what I mean? And Anakin, and honestly, that was a mercy move. He could have cut off the arms that were still part of Trench. Instead, he cut off the robot half, all right? He could have been a little bit more gruesome. He didn't. Cuts off his three arms that are robot, looks at him and says, I have no such weaknesses. And that was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Like, that is... That was badass. I, I I audibly said that. I was like, oh, shit. And, of course, after you give him the bomb, Trench the, gives him the code. Trench tries to taser him, and Anakin uh, resists it enough and stabs Trench through the chest with his lightsaber, lightsaber and takes off. But that was a very cool scene from, you know, they have history together. Anakin made him the half-robot spider thing he was. And to have that history there, and Anakin just look at him, he says, I have no such weaknesses. Oof! <laughs> Loved that. Loved that. Other than that, I think I've broken down, uh, just as a whole, what that arc is about. Enjoyable. You'll, you'll like the first four episodes. Very entertaining. Uh, fun see some Anakin, you see Rex, bunch of new really cool clones, uh, fun, fun first four episodes, again, classic Clone Wars, the next four, however, are not great, episodes five, six, seven, and eight are lackluster, let's put it that way, um, there is one moment, however, where, okay, so let me, let me, break down what the uh what the arc is about ahsoka goes down to the under levels or the lower levels of coruscant she crashes her speeder onto this garage and she meets whatever her name is the martez sisters um one's kind of like a, a shy younger sister and the older sister is like the one who does deals with criminals to try and make money and she doesn't think it's a bad deal blah 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 she does shady shit all the time these episodes I'm not even going to get into you want to watch them go watch them but I did not really enjoy myself watching these episodes they're very bleh the characters are forgettable Ahsoka dope she's awesome but like she feels this need to hide her Jedi heritage from them because the Jedi accidentally killed their parents who were not even visible when all of this was happening. I, I don't know. It, it was very, very weird. And, like, their reasoning for hating the Jedi was honestly, uh, uh, like, yeah, they, the Jedi, they blame the Jedi for killing their parents. But it was very, eh, you know? Like, they could have made it a little bit more directly 
the fault of the Jedi than the way they did. It it seemed very, you know, just bleh. It didn't really seem like, it, it seemed like a petty grudge, honestly. Like, yeah, okay, your parents are dead, I get it, that sucks. But to blame the Jedi, who were trying to stop a cruiser that accidentally crashed into a wall that your parents happened to, to be behind, how would they know that? <laughs> I just, I don't... Um, it wasn't a convincing reason to despise the Jedi, you know? Anyway, Ahsoka has to spend the whole thing trying to not be a Jedi around them, whatever. Uh, the best part about this, there's two parts that I liked about this entire um, storyline. And that is, uh, there's one moment where the Martez sisters and Ahsoka are flying off in their new ship to go get Spice from Kessel. I know, Spice Run, the, you know, Spice Runners, Kessel Run in under 12 parsecs, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they pass, well, they get into military airspace, first of all. And the Republic cruiser is like, what are you doing? One of the admirals, like, what are you doing? This is military airspace. Like, are you nuts? What's your pilot's license? And she's like, I need a pilot's license? Uh. They get out of it scot-free. But it goes to where the the admiral that was contacting them is actually uh, Anakin's admiral. I don't remember his name. But Anakin's on the ship. And he's like, who was that? And she's like, and he's like, oh, just some rookie pilot being stupid. Um, should I disperse uh, a military like brigade to go bring them in? And Anakin... Takes a second, closes his eyes, and he like looks off into the distance, and he senses Ahsoka, or you think he senses Ahsoka. Um, and she senses him, and he says, "No, it's nothing." And there is a video that I found on Reddit where someone synced up that and a scene where Vader senses Luke on a ship, and. They're like, should we go disperse, uh, it's the same scenario, should we disperse military things to go bring them in? And it's Anakin and Vader at the same time, they say, no, it's nothing, don't worry about it. And it was, ooh, it was eerie, very, very eerie, very cool, obviously, uh, but very eerie. So that was one part that I enjoyed, quick scene, but I enjoyed it. And the other uh, part I enjoyed was, of course, Bo-Katan coming back, uh, the bounty hunter, leader of the Death, the Death Watch, even though they're not uh, the, Death, the Death Watch anymore. They're just Mandalorians. Um, she comes and she recruits Ahsoka, and you see that Darth Maul is behind this whole spice operation and yada yada. It connects back. Darth Maul, in his whole operation in the Clone Wars here, it connects back to Solo, and his appearance, his cameo in the Solo movie. Uh, so that's cool, I guess. I didn't enjoy Solo. Um, I didn't really see Maul being in it as necessary. But connecting the two through this medium, I'm with it. Sure, I like it. Any Anything that connects movies and uh, shows together as in the same universe, like I'm all for that stuff. I love it. I live for it. That's about it for this story arc. Maul, Bo-Katan, and then Anakin sensing Ahsoka. Those are the three things that I really kind of remember from this arc. Other than that, not really rewatchable. 
Um, you can watch the first four for just uh, enjoyment purposes. It's entertaining. You want to watch it? Go ahead. You don't have to watch those other four. Uh, for all intents and purposes, you can skip all eight of those episodes and just watch the last four. And be satisfied with what happened. So, of course, the moment that I've been waiting to talk about. The finale. The four-part finale. Flawless. I mean, it is beautiful. I said I was going to... Now, I said I was going to wait till the end to talk about the negatives. But I'm going to do it now. And then I'm going to gush about it to the end of the, the episode. The only part that sucks about watching these episodes is that Rebels exists. You know Ahsoka and Rex make it out alive. I've never watched Rebels, but I'm not a stranger to the internet. I've seen Ahsoka fight Vader in Rebels. I've seen Ahsoka and Rex, their reunion in Rebels. I've seen those clips. I've seen those scenes. So, knowing they're alive, it does take away from the gravity of these episodes and Order 66 and how how does Rex how does Rex resist Order 66? Does he like does he even attack Ahsoka? Blah 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 blah. And yeah, is it still cool to see it all play out? 100% but just imagine for a second this season came out before rebels it would have been some of the most intense nail-biting star wars uh media that has ever been put out to the public like that would have this all would have been so emotional and anxious, it made everyone anxious. I was still anxious throughout all of it. Don't get me wrong. But that's just me, like, as a, as a person. So that's really my only, my only complaint. Is that you know Rex and Ahsoka make it out of Order 66 alive. And it sucks that you know that. It's just the reality we live in. It's still incredibly enjoyable and you still got to love it if you're a Star Wars fan because it is it is amazing. So, I hope I don't miss things here as I go through the episodes cuz I just kind of made bullet points as I was going through along, so it's not going to be like a full recap of every episode. Um and I'm not going to even I'm not even going to set label which episode is which like what the points from each episode are. I'm just going to go through all my points. Uh, hopefully I don't miss anything. But this is what I have written down. Um, and I think it's okay if I miss some things. Because, you know, go watch it yourself. It would be great. Great entertainment. So, starting it off. Ahsoka contacts Anakin and Obi-Wan. to With Bo-Katan, of course. To tell them that Maul is on Mandalore. And they have a chance to capture Maul. And as, and she so she's on Holocron, the holovid thing, whatever. 
Anakin is visibly shook. He's like, oh my God, like, Ahsoka, you're okay. Oh, oh, like, seeing his reaction to seeing Ahsoka is incredible, but she kind of just dismisses him, which is a little hurtful. Then she shows up on the ship. And he's like, wow, like, how are you? And she's just like, formalities later, Anakin. Like, we had, we don't have much time. We got to get through this. And she walks past him again. And you see his face. He's like sad, disappointed. This is his Padawan who he, he loves her. Like, that's, that's, uh, that's his buddy. Like, he wants nothing but the best from her. And to see her, see her after all these years... You know, I assume it's it's been a handful. I don't know how exactly how long it is, but it's a, a handful of years at least, uh, because Anakin is a, a much more experienced Jedi Knight, and it's bordering the events of Episode Three compared to you know in between Episodes Two and Three. So at least a few years since he's seen her, and she just completely dismisses him. And it really, it tugs at the heartstrings a little bit because you're like, wow, like, she just, she doesn't really, like, she might care, but she doesn't show it. And Anakin is just, that hurts him. He's a very emotional person. We know this. So him just getting completely tossed aside by Ahsoka and not even, like, getting a a moment or a, a hug. I was expecting, like, a hug. Nothing. Got nothing. So, like, we'll talk later. Okay, wow. Shit. And you see that emotion on his face. Um, so they talk about the plan. You know, like we got to go save. We got to go uh, capture Maul on Mandalore and, and save their people. And uh, the whole Mandalore has been neutral for so many years. It makes the treaties, blah, blah, blah. bo like, I don't give a shit. I'm like, let's go. And as they're about to roll out, Anakin shows Ahsoka... The 501st with Rex and a bunch of his men all painting the helmets um, orange and white in the same pattern. That's literally Ahsoka's face. A little weird, but pretty cool. (laughs) It's a little weird if you think about it. If you think really hard about it, it's like, okay, they kind of just painted their faces onto their helmets. Again, a little weird, but in the moment when you're watching it, super cool. I was like, oh, that's dope. And of course, Anakin says loyalty means... Anakin... Says loyalty means everything to these clones. She says, "Well, I'm not even a commander anymore." He's like, "They don't care." Uh, so very cool. Ahsoka, of course, is reunited with Rex. Nice moment. Also, um, honestly, almost as emotional as her reunion with Anakin. Probably more so. She seems more happy to see Rex than than Anakin. And Obi Wan shows up during this little reunion. Anakin's about to give Ahsoka a gift. Obi-Wan shows up, Grievous is attacked, Coruscant, he's taken the Chancellor, shit's popping off. This is the precursor to Revenge of the Sith. The first scene in Revenge of the Sith is Obi-Wan and Anakin flying their starships through, or starfighters through uh, Separatist ships and uh, bombers getting to Grievous's ship to rescue the Chancellor. So this is immediately before Revenge of the Sith starts. Um, Obi-Wan says, you know, we gotta go. And Ahsoka's like, okay, wow, so you're just gonna, that's it? Mandalore is just whatever? 
and Obi-Wan's like, you know, that's not what the what the problem is. Like, this is a, an attack on the heart of the Republic. We have to go. And Ahsoka blames him for, you know, you're taking too much politics into account. He's like, that's not fair. And it's not. Um, but Anakin ends up, and she asks for clones anyway. And he's like, well, you're not a part of the Republic. So we, we can't just give you a bunch of clones. You know, she left the Jedi Order. She's just a citizen. So they're not going to give her Republic forces. And Anakin says, okay, we'll, we'll promote uh, Captain Rex to commander. He'll take half of the 501st with Ahsoka and go to Mandalore to help. And that explains why Anakin, who shows up with the 501st in Revenge of the Sith to slaughter the Jedi Temple, Rex isn't there. Because he has the other half that uh, remained on Coruscant or went to Coruscant with him. So that explains why Rex isn't there with him. And uh, Ahsoka says, okay, so all of them, uh, half of the 501st and Rex go with Ahsoka and Bo-Katan to Mandalore to stop Maul. And Anakin and Obi-Wan begin their uh, quest to go save Palpatine. I believe it's at the, I don't know, middle point, beginning of... The second part, we have a uh, hollow vid of Obi-Wan, and he was talking, and it was announced by him that Anakin killed Dooku while rescuing the Chancellor. And I was like, well, the war can be over soon. Yeah, ideally. And after everyone leaves the room, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka talk. And it's here that Obi-Wan tells Ahsoka what... He requested of Anakin that he gets to spy or he has to spy on the Chancellor for the Jedi Council. Because, uh, again, word for word, uh, he has managed to stay in office long after his term has expired, in the words of Obi-Wan. And they want to know what his intentions are and... You know, what's going on? And we have another callback to... Another line-for-line, line, pretty much, callback to Revenge of the Sith uh, later that I'll, I'll get to. But Obi-Wan's telling Ahsoka of Anakin's mission. And she questions it. She's like, he has... The Chancellor has been a great friend and mentor to Anakin. And now you're asking him to spy on the, on the Chancellor for the Jedi Council. Like, that's not fair. And Obi-Wan's what Obi-Wan said, maybe you can talk to him. Or hopefully you can talk to him and uh try and convince him uh what's going on. Like tell him like it's the right thing. She's like, I'm not the right person for the job. And we really see Ahsoka develop in these last four episodes as the Jedi she is in Rebels, which is not a Jedi at all, actually. But as the force wielder she is in rebels where she she follows the the kindness and the the pacifism that the jedi preach but she's not completely negligible and and one-sided to the the ideals and the reasoning of the sith right like not everything the jedi say is law and she recognizes that uh, which is why she's kind of sides with Anakin here, where he's like, where she's like, I don't like. Why would you ask him to do that? 
to someone who has been his friend. That seems kind of a betrayal to, on your part. And Obi-Wan says, the Jedi Council is not always right. So that's why I came to you. Now with that sequence there, we are officially overlapping with Revenge of the Sith. And the timeline of what happens in Clone Wars and what happens in Revenge of the Sith is a little iffy. Um, part three... Oh, we're not going to get to part three yet, but, uh, yeah, I'll get, I'll get there. I'll get there. Uh, at the, the rest of part two, there uh, is of course Maul and Ahsoka and their talk and then their fight scene, which takes up a large portion of the end of the episode. And, uh, they actually just have a discussion. There's a huge battle between the Mandalorians and Maul's Mandalorians, uh, like Death Watch, whatever, going on outside and clones. So it's Mandalorians. Bo-Katan and her Mandalorians and the clones, the 501st with Rex, fighting Maul's battalion of Mandalorians. All the while, Maul and Ahsoka are talking in the throne room. And Ahsoka had previously found out that from uh, the Prime Minister, who's now dead, that Maul knows about Anakin. He said Sky, Skywalker was the name that he whispered before he died. So they're talking, and Maul's like, there is no escaping this. Darth Sidious has been behind everything from the very beginning, and you can't stop it. And Ahsoka eventually comes to asking her a question, what do you want with Anakin Skywalker? And Darth Maul, I think that was in the trailer, that line. Darth Maul says he is the key to everything. He's long been groomed to be uh, uh, Sidious' new apprentice, whether you realize it or not. He is going to bring about the end of everything. And Ahsoka's like, well, that's all I needed to hear. You're obviously bullshitting, talking out your ass. Like, let's fight. But before that, she was really, she was listening to everything he had to say. She understood what was going on. And then he offered to, jo- like, he was like, join me, you know, the whole, I, I, how every bad guy in Star Wars does it. Join me and together we can, you know, destroy so-and-so or rule the galaxy, one or the other, or both. And uh, she then asked what happened with Anakin. And she's like, okay, you're obviously bullshitting. Let's go. And their fight sequence, I mean, when Maul ignites his lightsaber, it's exactly the same as episode one. And I'm sorry, I forget his name, but the actor who played Darth Maul in episode one also does the motion capture for this fight with Ahsoka. This entire fight between Ahsoka and Maul is motion capture. That is why it is so fluid, it is so fast, and it is so amazing. I mean, it is just incredible, like better than a lot. Of action movies. Now granted of course it's animated. And I don't know much about animation. But I I can't. Even with motion capture. It's probably difficult to to do all that. There's not cuts. It's just very fluid. And it's it's beautiful. It is incredible to watch. And then especially with the surrounding area. Like these giant glass window panes. Blow open. And just like shatter. Across Maul and Ahsoka. They don't even flinch. It is so cool. So, them fighting is elite. It ends up leading to the outside and to 
Maul's capture at the end of it. And while he's being... Uh, Ahsoka's holding him in the air with the Force while the Mandalorian is coming to wrap him up. And he said, you're all fools. We're all going to burn. We're all going to die. And he... It was like... He was screaming. Like... It was really, really like bone-chilling acting. And... They wrapped him up, put him in a an old school like Mandalorian prison thing um, that was used for force wielders when they had their war with the Jedi. And then they take him aboard the ship and they uh, they all board the ship and enter light speed. Again, I know there's <laughs> details I'm missing, but I'm not going to go scene by scene. Um, but after they enter light speed... We have a uh, a conference, and this is the other part I was talking about. This is line for line. Uh, there's a couple moments in this in part three where there's line for line taken from Revenge of the Sith, and it is a uh, a conference of Jedi between Mace Windu. First of all, the episode starts. All the Jedi are spread across the galaxy. They're spread out across the galaxy fighting back against Grievous's forces, and this was part of Palpatine's plan to have the stronger Jedis spread out where they couldn't uh, save each other after Order, X, uh, after Order 66 was declared. So, um, Grievous is not dead yet, of course. Uh, Obi-Wan is still going there to dispatch of Grievous. So that's where we're at in Revenge of the Sith. Obi-Wan hasn't killed Grievous yet. All the Jedi are spread across the galaxy. The Anakin hasn't turned to the dark side yet. And we have this conference between Mace Windu, Yoda, Kiati Mundi, and Aliyah uh, Sakura, where they're all in a conference, and Mace Windu says, I sense uh, the dark side surrounding the Chancellor. And it's that whole, uh, or I sent a plot to destroy the Jedi. The dark side surrounds the Chancellor. That whole uh, conversation with those uh, those other Jedi, was now apparently another conference talking with Ahsoka is plugged into that. And uh, Ahsoka tries to learn a little bit more information, and they offer, they say, are you with the Jedi in the Republic, or are you just a, is this just like a citizen's allegiance or alliance, you know? She says, no, I'm not with the Jedi. And then she asks a question, and Mace Windu looks at her and says, I'm sorry, citizen. This is a Jedi matter. And then that's the end of that conference. A little bit of a dick move considering what's about to happen, but happens, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, Ahsoka is then staring out into space uh, or the hyperspace like tunnel that they're going through right now. And Rex said, uh, you know, Commander, we have uh, our next orders coming in. You want to go take a listen? She's like, no, you can go by yourself. It's fine. So Rex leaves, and while he leaves, Ahsoka, again, these are lines reused from Revenge of the Sith. She feels Anakin turn to the dark side. So she, the lines used are, you know, don't listen to him, Anakin. Uh, I'm too weak. I'm too weak. He must live. I need him. He's too dangerous to be kept alive. And then... Cuts off, and you hear Mace Windu scream, power, throws him off, 
Uh, and then the only line that wasn't used from the movie that was redone by Matt Lanter, the voice of Anakin in the Clone Wars, was What Have I Done? And he does it much better. <laughs> he does it much better than Hayden Christensen. No offense to Hayden. Uh, but all the lines are reused except for that one. Matt Lanter redubs it. And uh, yeah, Anakin officially turns to the dark side. And then a few seconds later, we get Order 66. We cut to Rex and he is getting Order 66. And we see him shaking. He's resisting it. And Ahsoka's like, what's going on? And uh, there's a tear that comes down Rex's eye. And that's where I lost it. I was like, oh my god, Rex is crying. Like, what the fuck is going to happen? Like, ah, I can't believe this is about to happen. And I was so scared. And I was like, I was uh, an emotional mess. Um, And Rex calls out for fives. He's like, find fives, find fives, find fives. And then he starts shooting at Ahsoka. She knocks him out, and all the there's a bunch of clone troopers. She seals off one side, but a bunch show up, and she deflects a bunch of them without killing anybody, and then escapes through the ventilation shaft. Um, Rex gives his speech. Any uh, we are ordered. Any Jedi is now a enemy of the Republic, and ordered to be killed on sight for treason. Uh, any clone who disobeys these orders is also a traitor and will be killed yada yada you know how that goes and this is where where shit pops off i mean it's it's really sad uh you know it's coming but like until so watching all these episodes i was so anxious all the way up until order 66 happened then i was like okay it's done we got through it Let's see, let's just relax a little bit and see what else happens. Because I know they both live. But just like watching that play out was so, it it, it drove me insane. Um, Ahsoka actually captures Rex. She's able to seal off, uh, seal him off in a hallway by closing all the blast doors. Um, using a bunch of different, a couple astromech droids and a different, a couple, maybe a couple other droids. I, I don't know what kind of droids they are, but... Uh, she seals him off, knocks him out, and then brings him to a medical bay where she removes his inhibitor chip, and he ends up saving her life, blasting a couple clones and sealing the door shut again, and now they're on the same side. So, in Rebels, when Ahsoka and Rex meet, there were obvious questions about that before this Season 7, uh, but you see, if you go and, and YouTube the clip, when they reunite, you can see on the right side of Rex's head, the scar from his inhibitor chip being removed. And now this gives that backstory that Ahsoka was able to capture him, put him in a medical bay, uh, and uh, remove the inhibitor chip. Not by herself. I think a droid did it, but regardless. Uh, but to locate the inhibitor chip, because it wasn't coming up on scans, she used the Force. And holding the sides of the head, she actually recited, I am one with the Force. The Force is with me. Over and over and over again. And this is from uh, Chert Imwe, who is in Rogue One. And he's the blind guy who isn't a Jedi, but he is a uh, practicer of the Force. And he does that in the final moments of, or in the final act of Rogue One. Walks out into the battlefield, you know, I am one with the Force, the Force is with me. I am one with the Force, the Force is with me. She does the same thing. So that's a cool little callback, um, considering they're both really one and the same at this point. Ahsoka is not a Jedi. Um, 
She's obviously not a Sith, uh, but she is a a practicer and a uh, she respects the Force. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and we know that from Rebels also, her lightsabers become... She has blue lightsabers that, Anna, that Anakin gave her. They're blue. Um, but the ones she has in Rebels are white, which are taking... To get a white lightsaber, the only one who ever had it, I don't remember his name, but he's the guy who trains younglings in saber combat. You see him in an arc with Ahsoka. He has a white lightsaber. The only other guy... Who has a white lightsaber. Um, but you get a white lightsaber from taking a uh, corrupted kyber crystal. Which is what Sith do to make it red. They use their hatred and their anger to corrupt it and make it red. By taking a corrupted kyber crystal and uh, making it pure again. It transforms from red to white. And that is what Ahsoka has in Rebels. Right now she has blue, of course. Now the final episode is it's 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 tough. It is bittersweet. Um, it's amazing to watch, but there's a couple scenes here. So Rex and Ahsoka, of course, trying to escape Jesse, who, if you don't remember Jesse and you've seen the the show, but not not the final episode, he's the one with the giant Republic sigil tattooed on his face and on the middle of his helmet. He is now the acting commander of all the clones because Rex, of course, is uh, still with Ahsoka. His inhibitor chip is gone. And he orders... They try to get away in a ship, Ahsoka and Rex. And when they open the hangar doors, they find the ship, but also all of Jesse's men. And they stand there in the middle of the platform... In the hang, the main hangar, ready to just wait till the ship crashes if it means killing Ahsoka. Like they did not care, and Rex points that out. He's like, "These men, you, like you cannot, like you're trying not to kill these men." And Ahsoka says that. She's like, "I don't want to kill them. It's not their fault." And Rex says, "Well, you know what? They don't give a shit. Like they're trying to kill you. These men are willing to sacrifice their lives standing here until this ship crashes if it means killing you. And he's crying because he knows he has to kill them. And she's like, no, we don't have to. And they don't. Rex sets his guns, his pistols, his dual pistols to uh, stun. And Ahsoka deflects all of the blaster bullets coming her way. Uh, not back at the clones, but just away, up, down, to the floor, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, she doesn't actively kill any clones. Of course, they all die anyway because the ship crashes. But she said, I'm not going to be the one to kill them. And she wasn't. And they ended up escaping. The whole free-falling segment of Ahsoka and Rex. Super cool. Uh, Love that. That was awesome. But the final episode is really for the last 10 minutes. Rex comes away with a shovel, still wearing his armor, and he had just buried everyone, and it pans across a a large graveyard of clones, of, of bodies I assumed that they were able to find, 
and some were just regular clone helmets. Some were the 501st helmets that had Ahsoka's face painted on them. And the last one it stays on is Jesse's helmet with the Republic sigil on it. And that if that isn't a metaphor for uh, the clones and the Republic being dead, then I don't know what is. But it focuses on Jesse's helmet and Ahsoka sitting there in her uh, her cowl. And she drops her lightsaber, the main lightsaber, which is people were speculating, you know, where are both? She has two lightsabers. One's like a little dagger thing and the other one's like a regular lightsaber. And she only dropped one, but she was seen to have both at the end of her free fall. So where's the other one? Whatever. That's like a little nitpicky, but it is a question uh, to be answered, I assume. And she drops the main lightsaber. She's like, this is this is it. You know, not only is this a dead giveaway that I'm a Jedi and I'll be hunted, but this is, you know, Anakin's gone. She sensed it, she felt it, and there's nothing she could do. Anakin's gone, so she drops the lightsaber and turns around and leaves. Then we get a time jump. I do not know how long this time jump is, but it is Vader. He shows up to that planet where Ahsoka crashed the ship and left her lightsaber, and he has his lightsaber. But he also walks a little clanky right he's walking a little bit with a limp if you noticed it he's not completely fluid with it yet so this is probably a uh i'll say within a year maximum a year because when so when they crash on the moon it they do have ice caps on the moon but where they crash is mostly like desert area um just regular wasteland area you know but when vader gets there it's covered in snow so there's obviously months and months go by i'm not sure how many maybe six seven eight months maximum a year like i said uh probably not that though less you know i think seven or eight months six to eight months is probably the the correct time frame he shows up Walks past a bunch of, uh, oh, the clones, whatever clones are remaining now, they're also wearing Stormtrooper armor. So they have these winter Stormtrooper armors on. Uh, so the imp- the Empire is very much in effect. Vader walks past them, and he sees the graveyard, or the remnants of the ship that crashed, and he picks up the lightsaber, and he knows it's Ahsoka's, obviously, because he gave it, that to her. And... He looks up, and it's the bird of uh, Morai, and that is the manifestation, again, on that planet where Anakin had to tame the light and dark side, and there was, like, that deity there, and those were his children. The light side died. I don't remember her name, but the light side died and transferred some of her essence to Ahsoka to revive her. Now, this bird is her manifested in, like, the afterlife. And that bird can be seen as Anakin or Darth Vader picks up the lightsaber and ignites it. And it's blue. So seeing him standing there holding her blue lightsaber in his Vader suit, he looks up and he sees Morai. And you can see his eyes. 
I thought this was so cool that they did it. He looked amazing, by the way. Like, they, the way they rendered Vader in this animation is just, it's so fucking good. And he looked so, 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 so good. And you see him look up, and he has rend, dark red tinted lenses on his eyes, but you could still see his eyes through the helmet. And there's this huge, there's a debate going on. Are his eyes yellow? Are they blue? Like, the natural state did him... This early on in his life as Darth Vader, did him finding Ahsoka's lightsaber bring him back to Anakin for even the briefest of moments? And that's why his eyes, I think his eyes weren't yellow. I paused it and I looked at it so carefully for so long. And yeah, it's a little questionable because the, the lenses are tinted dark red. But I don't think his eyes are yellow. I think they reverted back to his natural color because he's not, again... I said a year, but I don't even think it's been a year. It's probably multiple months he's already been Darth Vader. And to find Ahsoka's lightsaber and think that he's dead, many people think that it brought him back for a second, igniting that lightsaber and holding it in his hand. It brought him back to, to his humanity, to Anakin Skywalker, but also made him sad because finding this lightsaber, he, thought, he thinks Ahsoka's dead. She didn't make it. So that... That hurts him. Like, that is someone that maybe he hoped could bring her back to the light side. Of course, they meet all those years later in Rebels, and uh, after she cuts his, his mask open, she sees his, his yellow eyes, and he's like, Ahsoka. And he, he does have that moment of hesitation. She's like, I won't leave you, not this time. And of course, he says, then you will die. And... At that point, he's obviously too far gone, and the only people who can bring him back are his children. But considering this is so early on in the stages of him being Darth Vader, picking up that lightsaber and finding all of that, uh, finding her lightsaber, could have brought him back to a moment of humanity, back to Anakin Skywalker. And the final shot is... Uh, it is... It is breathtaking like it is, it is amazing how great this final shot is so vader turns around and he walks away and the final shot is a clone trooper helmet with ahsoka's face paint on it from the 501st and a cracked visor and you just see vader walking away his black suited silhouette walking away and just the the symbolism there obviously is is crazy because uh, he's walking away from Ahsoka, he's walking away from the 501st, he's walking away from the Republic, he's walking away from Anakin Skywalker with Ahsoka's lightsaber, and that also symbolizes like Ahsoka is is gone. She's not the same person. Right, the Republic is dead. Clones are dead. Everyone he he knows is is gone. Like the, the entire landscape of the galaxy is changed, and he's walking away from his old life. And it is such a beautiful shot. Shout out to Dave Filoni. The guy is an absolute fucking genius. Um, he is amazing. And if you don't know who Dave Filoni is, he's the guy who directed uh, the Clone Wars. He is just, he, he's incredible, and he is the guy. If there is a person to take over Star Wars, it is Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau. Put them together. 
honestly, John Favreau, of course, if you don't know, he created The Mandalorian. So John Favreau hit with that. Dave Filoni, sole control over the direction of season seven for the Clone Wars. Amazing. Again, you can give or take the last the first eight episodes, but the last four were so goddamn good that you can give him whatever he wants. It is just incredible content. Um, Ahsoka, if you're not aware, will return in season two of The Mandalorian, and it is also rumored. Uh, so Rosario Dawson is casted to play Ahsoka in season two, and Temura. Temurera, I'm sorry, I don't know how to say his name. Temurera Morrison, uh, the guy who played Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones, is also casted to play Boba Fett and Rex in Season 2 of uh, The Clone Wars. And Katie Sackhoff is casted to be Bo-Katan in Season 2 of The Mandalorian. So all three of those characters showing up in Mandalorian Season 2 reportedly Going to be very, very, very cool to see them in live action. Um, Bo-Katan and Boba Fett and uh, Rex, obviously they're all human. So that'll be fine. Interested to see what they do with Rosario Dawson as far as Ahsoka goes. How much is going to be CGI? How much is going to be makeup and props? I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, Very, very, very excited for Season 2 of Mandalorian now though because... All, all the uh, that's cool because the Mandalorian takes place after season six. The Empire has fallen, so Ahsoka still being alive to be in the Mandalorian is uh, is huge. That means she's she's alive after Rebels. She's alive after the after Luke defeats Vader and all that. Uh, so that's it's it's awesome. It's awesome to see her. And then of course, uh, Rex still being alive is crazy. Uh, because we see him in Rebels, which is before uh, episode four. It's between three and four Rebels. And he's in that, and he's an old man. So if he's still alive at uh, the Mandalorian, that's pretty cool too. <sighs> okay, I'm done. That was That was fun to do. That was fun to do. Uh, I don't know if you could tell, but I'm pretty passionate about Star Wars. And also, Kevin Kiner. Shout out to Kevin Kiner, the GOAT behind John Williams, of course, for Star Wars music. He he did and he wrote and uh, created all the music for the Clone Wars, and it was amazing. Uh, You know, John Williams is the GOAT, of course, for all the main Star Wars movies, but Kevin Kiner... Did a hell of a job. So him and Dave Filoni together, amazing. Uh, also, John Favreau, just because. Shout out John Favreau. He, he's honestly the GOAT. But that will wrap it up for this episode from my point of view. It's a doozy. It's a doozy. Um, thank you all for listening. Next week, I'll be back with the finale of The Last Dance. Uh, stay safe, have a nice weekend, and I'll talk to you all next week. Wednesday.